Good morning, Grace. Glad that you could join us from your living room, your dining room, whichever room you're in, but we're really glad that you could join us. I want to encourage you this morning uh, to use the chat space. Uh, so whether you're on Facebook or even on our web stream, uh, if you just want to use that to say hi, check in. I would love to know how many of you are actually watching. Uh, we know that you're out there, but if you're sitting with four or five people, if you're sitting with your family, maybe just in that uh, section, just type in there how many of you are watching the web stream. We'd just love to know that. I also want to just tell you that if you need anything from us, if in the wake of the coronavirus you uh, need groceries, you need to get uh, prescriptions, whatever it is, if you have a need, uh, the best thing you can do is just go to our website and right in the front page there's an easy to navigate page at uh, gracewire.com. You can type in your needs there. Uh, you can also just call the church at 313-882-3000 and uh, there'll be prompts that you can leave a message for. We're monitoring that daily and helping people to uh, fill their needs. And if you are don't have a need, but you want to serve, that's a great way to communicate that with us as well. I want to just let you know that Meg and I have been praying for you, uh, praying for our church, praying for our country. Uh, we continue to pray that God would uh, protect us and that God would use this season as an awakening, uh, as a chance for a revival. And uh, we just want to encourage you to join with us in those prayers. Uh, several months ago, we decided we were going to do this series called Give It Up. And uh, by God's providence, we're in the series. In the first week, uh, we talked about fear. And last week, we talked about control. And we'll get to this week in just a few minutes. But uh, what I do want to talk about for a minute is that we're all in this season of loss. All of us have lost something, loss of routine, loss of income, loss of March Madness, uh, loss of connection, loss of graduations, loss of, of birthday parties. Uh, we've had weddings that have had to get canceled, all kinds of loss. And uh, we, we even are at a loss for being able to gather as a church. I was talking to Greg Beals this week and he was just talking about how much he misses the time before church and after church in the lobby and those conversations. And I miss that as well. Some of you, the loss is different. Some of you are working uh, crazy long hours because you are one of the essential workers or you're a healthcare worker. Uh, you're being exposed to uh, new kinds of dangers and you have new concerns. Uh, you've lost your rhythm. Uh, the, what I'm just trying to say is whether you're young or old, whether you're working or not working, uh, you, we're all experiencing loss. We used to have a pastor here, Pastor Kevin Butcher, uh, when Meg and I first started coming to Grace, and he used to say regularly, all change is loss and all loss needs to be grieved. All change is loss and all loss needs to be grieved. Another word for grieved there could be mourned. We need to learn to grieve. We need to learn to mourn when things are lost. Uh, Harvard, uh, part of their uh, Harvard Business Review published this week, as a matter of fact, uh, one of their reviews, and it talked about the need for us to grieve during the pandemic. Fact is, loss needs to be grieved. But the question I would ask is, do we even know how to do that? Or do we even give ourselves permission to do that? Grief is not this, uh, uh, it's, it's not a topic that we're, we're used to. Grief and mourning is not something that we deal with well. But if we deal with it in a appropriate way, we deal with it in a healthy way, it will help us in our personal health, but it'll also help us in our family dynamics as well. Since this pandemic uh, has started and the, the whole uh, being at home so much, I have noticed uh, that I have been far more irritable uh, with Meg. If Meg is here and she's probably saying amen right now, um, but I'm guessing that I'm not alone in that. And the truth is that irritability I could very well just be an indicator of not dealing with all of the loss in a healthy way. 
we uh, become more irritable. We become, it just, it, it, my encouragement to you is to deal with it. So uh, while mourning and loss is different for everybody and there's no formula, what I'd like to do is give you three don'ts and three do's to help navigate the season. So three don'ts. The first don't is don't cope via distraction. Don't cope via distraction. Ignoring it or distracting yourself from, from thinking about it isn't really going to help. So spending hours on social media isn't going to help you process or mourn the loss. Binge watching every Netflix series from start to finish isn't going to help you. Eating six to ten times a day isn't going to help you. I told Meg that we were going to have to design a COVID-19 weight loss program for when this is all over with because we're all sitting around and eating so much. But the truth of the matter is all of those become false comforts for us. For us. And that's what we're actually going to talk about in just a few minutes, those false comforts. For the three don'ts. The first one is don't cope via distraction. And the second one is don't buy into the lie that you have to be strong. This is one of those paradoxical statements in scripture. Uh, it's not intuitive, but it's very much throughout the scriptures. And it goes completely against the world's thinking. There's this place in 2 Corinthians where the Apostle Paul is talking about his own experience with grief, his own experience with an affliction, and he asks God to take the affliction away. And God says something amazing to Paul, and he's saying it to all of us. He says in 2 Corinthians, my grace is sufficient for you. And listen to this. He says, for my power is made perfect in weakness. My, my, so he doesn't say, my power is made perfect when you try harder. He doesn't say, my power is made perfect when you bring all of that you have to the table. What he says is, when you finally realize that you can't do it and you rely on me, then my power is made perfect. And then Paul goes on to write that, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness." insults, hardships, persecution, and calamities. Those are words we can all relate to. And then he says these words, Paul is saying it, for when I am weak, then I'm strong. When I'm weak, when I realize that I don't have to muscle this up, I don't have to do it on my own, when I realize I need help, then I can finally receive what I need to receive from God, and then and only then am I actually strong. So what we're going through right now, it, it, it helps us to realize that in the truth of the matter is we are somewhat powerless. We can't really fix all this. And it's a great opportunity for us to lean into God and to allow God to bring the comfort that we need. So don't cope via distraction. Don't buy into the lie that you have to be strong. And don't speak false statements as a way of coping. Sometimes I hear people say things like, well, it's no big deal. Or it doesn't really matter anyway. Or the one I've been hearing so often in this whole season is whatever, there's nothing I can do about it. These statements don't help us. They don't help us to see what we need to see. They don't help us to deal with what we need to deal with. Now, granted, sometimes it is no big deal, right? The old saying, spilt milk, is no big deal. There's no use crying over spilt milk because it doesn't really matter. But losing your job matters. Losing your income matters. Not being able to go to graduation, it matters. It, it, there's real loss in that. Not being able to hang out with your friends and families, it, those are all real things that need to be grieved. So those are the three don'ts. Don't cope via distractions. Don't buy into the lie that you have to be strong. And don't speak false ways, statements over yourself as ways of coping. But the three do's, be honest with yourself. Feel what you feel. 
Don't filter it. Don't, don't try to push it away. Feel what you feel and, and don't feel guilty if what you're feeling isn't what you think you should be feeling. So you can be sad, you can be numb, you can be angry, you can have a whole range of emotions. As a matter of fact, we have this amazing ability to feel emotions that are seemingly contradictory. You can be mad and you can be happy at the same time. You can be sad and you can be happy at the same time. You can, you can have these contradictory emotions happening at the very same time. You can mourn, you can grieve, and you can celebrate all at the same time. I have a friend, his name is Jason, and he always says, we gotta learn to free ourselves of emotional constipation. Be honest with what you feel, feel what you feel, and name your emotions. That Harvard uh, article that I referenced before said, if you can name it, then you can deal with it. But the opposite of that is true. If you can't name it, then you can't deal with it, and then it ends up dealing you. So three do's, uh, be honest with yourself, and then be open with others. Talk about these feelings and emotions with others. Lean into your spouse, lean into your friends, lean into your small group, FaceTime, Zoom, whatever. Connect with one another and be honest about how you are feeling. Let me just talk for a minute about all of you that are participating in small groups right now. The best thing you can do when you Zoom together, when you get together, is start every meeting with the question, how are you feeling? What is going on? What is your emotional state of mind right now? It will help you to process. It will help you to be honest about it. And my encouragement to you is bring all of those emotions into the light. Bring them into the light of day. Talk about them. There's this passage in 1 John. It says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. When we're honest, when we bring everything into the light, the passage says we have fellowship with God and we have fellowship with one another. So be honest with yourself, be open with one another, and be gracious. Oh, church, can I just tell you, we need to be gracious in this season. We need to navigate the season and learn to extend uh, an added measure of grace to one another, that we're just going to have to be more forgiving of each other in this season because we're all going to get twisted up. We're all going to get uh, uh, feeling sideways and we're going to snap at each other. We're going to say things that we didn't mean to say. And so I'm just encouraging you to, to offer forgiveness uh, to one another and to offer forgiveness and be gracious with yourself as well. Well, this would be a great season if every morning we started and ended with a meditation on Galatians 5 and the fruit of the Spirit. You know what the fruit of the Spirit is, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If we would just think about these words and if we would think, ask ourselves, are we uh, displaying the fruit of the Spirit as we navigate our day. It's a real test of our spiritual depth. How we respond in hard times tells us how deep we really are in the Spirit. So Ravi Zacharias says, whatever you are full of will spill whenever you are bumped. Are we full of the Spirit? Is the fruit of the Spirit spilling out of us when we are bumped by all of the chaos of the coronavirus? All right, one thing's for sure. This is a good season for us to learn to be gracious with one another, but it's also a season to, to, to grasp what are the areas in our lives that we are trusting in when we should be trusting in God. And that's what we're going to talk about uh, this morning. So grab your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 3 through, excuse me, 3 through 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. 
I want to encourage you to have your Bible with you. I encourage you to have a journal with you. Uh, and I just want to say, whether you are 10 years old or 90 years old, every time you come to church, whether you're web streaming or when we can come back into the building, every time you come to church, you should expect God to speak to you. God is always speaking. Our job is to learn to, to pay attention to that. Our job is to, to pay attention to what God is saying. So what, part of the reason I want you to have that journal is so that when you feel that nudge, that sense that God is saying something, make sure you write it down so you can capture it and so you can remember what it is that God spoke to you. So make sure you're taking notes, writing down what you hear. Hopefully you found 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Again, we're going to start reading in verse 3. And the Apostle Paul writes these words. He said, Blessed be the God and Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same suffering that we suffer. Let me pray for us. Lord, I pray in these next few minutes that you would bring this passage from 2 Corinthians alive, that you would help us to hear what you want us to hear and help us to do what you want us to do. Help us to just be uh, obedient in this season of chaos. And we just thank you that you are indeed in control and that you are the God of all comfort. Amen. So far in the series, we've talked about giving up fear. We've talked about giving up control. And today I want to talk about giving up comfort. But it probably would be more accurate to say, give up false comfort. One thing we can see in this passage is that God is the God of all comfort. And he has this desire to deliver, to give us comfort, right? He, he desires to show up in all of our affliction, it says, and be the God of comfort. But the problem is, or the challenge is, or maybe better said, the question is, are we positioned in such a way to receive God's comfort? Are we, are we putting ourselves in a place where we can receive the comfort that God has us? Or are we behaving in such a way that we short circuit the very comfort that God wants to give us? That's what we're looking at today. One of the most powerful outcomes of the season, I really believe this, one of the most powerful things that we can learn in this season of chaos is where are our false comforts? God is stripping us away of all of these things that we normally hold on to. He's taking them away from us and, he, and he's showing us, dare I say, some of our idols. False comforts are idols. <clears throat> there is a story, excuse me, in the Old Testament uh, it's kind of a crazy and wild story, but there's this guy by the name of Jonah, and God tells Jonah that he wants him to travel to a distant land, and he wants them to share uh, the, the story of repentance and share God's story with the people. But Jonah doesn't want to go because he has some comforts that he's holding on to, because he has some idols that he's holding on to, he decides not to go. And God takes him through a series of, of events and puts him in a place where he's in incredible peril. As a matter of fact, he's, he's on the verge of losing his very life. And God takes him all the way through this so that he could come to his senses. And when he comes to his senses, he writes these words. Jonah writes, those who cling to worthless idols, maybe you could say those who cling to false comforts, 
those who cling to worthless idols, turn away from God's love for them. Here's the insidious nature of what we're talking about this morning. So many things in our lives become idols, and we don't even realize it. We are all guilty of clinging to some things in our lives when we should be clinging to God. Let me put it this way. Anything you go to for peace other than God is an idol. Anything you go to for comfort, remember we're talking about false comforts this morning, but anything you go to for comfort other than God is an idol. <clears throat> Excuse me. Anything you rely on to get you through your day other than God is an idol. Anything that gives you your identity or your meaning in life other than God is an idol. The key to these statements is other than God. This season of shelter in place, while it's making some of us absolutely crazy to going bonkers, it's an incredible opportunity to see all of these false comforts that we have. It's important to realize that these false comfort, these idols, are, are sometimes actually the very gifts that God has given us. Let me give you a for instance. For instance, sex. Sex is an incredibly beautiful gift from God. But even sex can become a false comfort. Even in the context of a marriage, sex can become a false comfort. Outside of marriage, it can definitely become this false comfort, something that we go to when we're trying to pacify the unsettledness in our spirit. I'm not trying to, to beat up on anybody, but I can tell you some people in the wake of this are drawn towards pornography because pornography has become a source of a false comfort for them. So as this epidemic, this, this pandemic has spread, it's created this disequilibrium in people. And so some people are turning towards a false comfort like pornography, but it's not just pornography. It could be eating. Right? We already talked about going to the refrigerator far too often. It could be the binge watching. It could be Netflix, social media, all kinds of places that we are going to to receive the comfort when we should be going to God. One of the values of fasting, the discipline of fasting, is it's an intentional way of exposing how dependent you are on something other than God. We're in this crazy God-ordained season of things being stripped away from us. God ordained fasting. And the fact is, or the beauty of this season is, is it's helping us to see where are our false comforts? What are the idols that we have that help us to navigate life other than God? A long time ago, I read this super annoying uh, quote for in a book, uh, but it stuck with me, and I can't even remember who wrote it. So I'm going to put the quote on the screen, and I'm just going to put anonymous because I don't remember who the author was, but it's not my own quote. But he said, who you are when you're fasting is who you really are. And what he meant by that is when you strip away your false comforts and, and you become irritable or, or angry, then maybe, just maybe, you're always irritable and angry except for when you are medicating yourself with that false comfort. So I changed that saying up a little bit and you could say who you are when you shelter in place is who you really are. Ouch, right? It's a good place for us to pay close attention and to understand what are we drawing our source of peace and our source of comfort from. 
Where are we looking to find peace and calm other than God? So let's look again at those two passages that I shared. And I want to share them again because I want you to see that there is this incredible invitation in both the passages. Remember, I say this all the time, but the movement of God in your life always starts with an invitation. And there is an invitation in both the 2 Corinthians passage and the passage of Jonah. 2 Corinthians verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our afflictions, so it's all of our afflictions, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. And then in the Jonah passage, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. Here's the invitation. If we are willing to see what God wants us to see, and if we are willing to release our grip on our idols, God is promising to show up. When we release our grip and we're freed up to receive the comfort that God wants to give. When we release our grip, we're free to receive the abundant love and grace that God has for us. God is waiting to pour out his grace, to pour out his comfort, to pour out his peace, to pour out his mercy on all of us. And the question is, are we positioning in ourselves in such a way to receive all of that from God? Or are we clinging to everything else instead of God, clinging to stuff other than God? There's two primary questions that I want you to hold on to, uh, not just today, but really throughout this entire shelter-in-place season. And honestly, these are great questions to talk about in your small group. Next time you guys Zoom together, uh, you can talk about it. By the way, uh, if you're not in a small group and you're interested, we're going to launch a seasonal small group uh, for those who are not connected right now. And you can actually just go to the chat space on the side or, or underneath in the Facebook or on the web stream and say, hey, I'm interested and we'll follow up with you. Uh, but you can also just email groups at gracewired.com and uh, they'll follow up with you as well. But we'd love to get you connected in a group. But when your groups get together, these are great questions to talk about. They're just also great questions to reflect on personally. So two questions that will help you to navigate the season. The first question is, Lord, what do you want me to learn about myself and about you as I navigate this pandemic? This is a great opportunity to work on your own level of self-awareness. Ask yourself, why am I responding the way that I'm responding? What are the, the areas that I'm clinging to instead of God? And the second question is, Lord, what intentional steps can I take in this season to draw near to you? Here we're in this season. Everything is so different. So maybe we can capitalize on by doing some things differently ourselves. Maybe it's a good season for you to memorize or to meditate on a scripture each day. Memorize one scripture a day. Maybe it's time to read through all of the Psalms as a way of bringing peace and calm. Or maybe you read through the Gospels a couple times in a row over this season. Maybe you need to just practice sitting quietly with no distractions, probably not easy if you have kids at home, but with no distractions for an hour each day. 
Meg and I have been hosting an hour in the chapel on Facebook Live because you can't come to us. We decided to go to you with Facebook Live. So from 7.30 to 8.30, we just play some soft music and we're all doing our quiet time. And then in the last 10 minutes, we pray together and we take communion together. So maybe you want to join us on Facebook Live in the chapel on weekdays, or maybe you should start writing poetry. Maybe you want to just listen to more worship songs, or maybe you need to write a worship song or two. Whatever God is stirring you to do, my encouragement to you is be intentional in this season. I want to show you one more observation from the 2 Corinthians passage, and, and I'll leave it with you, and it kind of serves as a challenge, if you will. But if you look at verse 4, it says, talking about God, it says, God is the one who comforts us in all of our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. As we lean into Jesus, as we receive God's comfort, and we are comforted, we become agents of comfort. We comfort those who are afflicted. We become agents of comfort in our home. We become agents of comfort in the hospitals we're working in. We become agents of comfort in, in, in the, the community where we live. We become agents of comfort to those around us, those who are in desperate need of receiving God's comfort. The question is, are you an agent of comfort or are you an agent of chaos? Church, I want to just encourage us to be agents of comfort, bringing the glory of God and the peace of God and the grace of God into all of our interactions with others. Let's receive comfort so that we can give comfort. I'm going to pray for us, but before we do that, I'm going to invite Meg to come up. And she's going to share a psalm with you like we did last week. Uh, we're going to do this throughout this series. And as she shares uh, this psalm, I'm going to encourage you uh, to just close your eyes and allow this psalm to kind of wash over you as a prayer. And then we will uh, pray together as a way of closing. Hey, everybody. Uh, psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the most high who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent. You will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. This is the reading of the Lord. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity for us to be together. Thank you for this technology that allows us to continue to worship together, to learn together. Uh, pray that you would show us our false comforts. 
so that we can receive the comfort and the love and the grace that you have for us uh, throughout this situation so that we can become agents of comfort in our community and in our homes. Help us to be the people you've called us to be. Uh, help us to be the church that you've called us to be. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, just want to remind you, uh, maybe tell you, uh, that Meg and I are going to go Facebook Live in just a couple minutes. So if you just want to stay on the Grace page, it'll be a different uh, broadcast. But we're going to go on Facebook Live for about 10 minutes, uh, just as our way of hanging out with you in the virtual lobby. We usually love going out there and meeting with you and talking to you. Uh, so you can just uh, say hi, ask questions, whatever you want to do. So if you just meet us in a few minutes on Facebook Live, that'll be great. God bless you. Uh, keep praying for our city and our country. And we look forward to the day when we can all be in this room together again. God bless you. God bless.